Alright, uh, welcome back, boys. Um, having Both of you have been uh, previous guests on the old podcast, but just to quickly reintroduce yourselves, uh, what, are you, what, are you, what are your damn names? Uh, I'm David Kinney. I go widely by Mude. I've been a tag-along for someone in various little things. Um, I've guessed it on uh, Press Buttons and Talk. I've gotten to do on some charity streams. Rick, you've also gotten to show up on those charity streams, too. And I am Rick Carnahan. I am also a Sungwon tag-along and a David tag-along. Uh, I've been on a variety of different streams. I did the podcast ones. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and David and I have done a lot of stuff together, too. So um, you can find me on Twitter at Rip underscore Carnage or on YouTube at Such Minushi. I do uh, greatly encourage everybody to check out his YouTube channel because he does extremely cozy uh Let's plays of classic point-and-click adventure games. I really like them. Hell yeah. I encourage everybody to check out jackbeloved.com because David's a great writer and his husband Max is an excellent illustrator. So take that. That's also true. And also, I have no bias in terms of plugging your channel just because I get to uh, guest on it. So Indeed. there's that. Uh, I agree with both of those. And also, if you guys haven't heard of ProZD, uh, it's a really sweet YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ProZD. Check that out. I wonder out. what that means. Um, yeah, you'll never know. <laughs> now, uh, so our background actually is Rick. I met you through David because you guys have been friends forever. Have, yeah, like, David is one of my oldest like, friends. How how long ago at this point? It's like it's been cl- closing on two decades now. Like me and Rick uh, met on the Quest for Glory Sierra online forums, which uh, a very adventure game focused friendship. And I've made it a endeavor of mine to drag Rick along into your friend group just because I, I want to consolidate my friends. I want to make sure that I've got them all in one convenient place. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what year would that have been, you think, when you guys Well, I distinctly remember seeing when David's AIM profile, he had his age in his profile. And I remember when it ticked over from 13 years old to 14 years old because I thought, oh, man, he's oh close my to my God. age. So uh had to be 19 or no, 2000. Damn, okay, damn. Yeah, and then I met David, I think, would that have been 2005, maybe? 2005? That kind of ballpark. Or actually, maybe even earlier than that. Maybe, like, I would say, I want to say 2004. I think that was around my, maybe, freshman year of high school um, is when I met you. And I, at the time, I thought you were just this shining adult. And now I'm like, oh, what a dweeb. <laughs> uh, but, of course, we have been friends for a very long time. I was happy to have both of you on together for this episode. Now, let's dive into, uh, we did ask Twitter for some topics, and uh, David, we'll start with you. Pick one that, or it doesn't have to be one, but for one for now, one that you thought think would be a good topic conversation starter. Our friend, uh, Miski, at Miski at Twitter, uh, states, you know, what's a prize piece of our video game collection? Because like both me and Rick, we, we've got some... Uh, collectible mm. bins and someone i think that's fair to say that you two uh like to collect a thing or two so she specifically said video game stuff different media yeah it's it's like you know we're, 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 we're like collecting stuff i think for sure me sure. it's gonna be video games flat out you guys might have different answers but the question was video games or was it, it was anything, media. anything it was and like just media. anything cool cool okay so david what about what do you what do you got what are some of your most prized prized uh collectible items now in terms of what i've still got in my possession i feel like that the stuff that i uh most highly covet is just like i've got like uh Gitteru man on playstation 2 and silent hill 2 mm. both of which um go for a pretty penny these days just because availability is very poor like if you want to get a hold of silent hill 2 these days um you've got to like 
you get inferior ports or you have to emulate and it's otherwise out of print. How much is a copy now, like with with case? Uh, I don't know offhand, but it's going to be uh, probably a couple hundred yeah, dollars. It's a few hundred uh, depends on like the condition you want it in. Um, I like horror games of that vintage tend to run very very high. I like I I really want to get a copy of Rule of Rose for PS2, mm. but that's going to be more in like the five hundred dollar range, and it's like oh that's not happening. Does that go down if it's out of box at all? I know you like the boxes, but yeah, if it's something that it comes with a disc or is like otherwise like you know the media is kind of at, at risk, I like it to be in the original case. Got it. What's the price difference there? Like, let's say out of box versus in box. I feel like that you know you if you get just like a loose disc, that's probably going to be like half to a fifth of the price. So, I, but I still mm. feel like that Rule of Rose, especially, is so like sought after that even just getting a loose disc is going to be insane and like me and rick have talked extensively before but um video game prices have gone up astronomically across especially because of quarantine um so things have been real bad lately it's pretty crazy how expensive like i was just for example looking up like um somebody sent in i think it was we shop pointers which i guess i should use soon because it's gonna uh expire or something but or go away, but they sent in stuff to because they wanted us to buy a Mega Man Battle Network, and I was like, "How much can like a Game Boy Advance cartridge without the box be?" And it's fucking expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's still like, it's crazy. Yeah, like um, I feel like a similar um, thing that's gone up crazy amounts is Pokemon cards, right? Yeah, I feel like there's a correlation there of just like nostalgia, right? Nostalgia driven. People are trapped inside. They want to collect stuff from their youth. To make them to make the feel good centers of their brain tingle, which I get, um, and so yeah, we're getting these. You know, I remember back, you could get most Game Boy Advance games out because I don't care about the cases for Game Boy Advance. I just need the cartridge, and those were relatively cheap. And now I'm like, God damn, they're fucking expensive. So for you, Silent Hill Two and Guitar Man are like your your big goodies. Is, are those the most expensive things you have? Arguably, like, like, like um, some stuff I've had has gone down significantly in value. Because, like, back when me and Rick met, um, like, the Sierra Online collection boxes were astronomically expensive. And now, because you can mm. get digital copies dirt cheap, you can get them a lot more reasonably. Although, Rick, you recently have been trying to get box copies of those games. And it's still been a battle. It has. Um, I want to point out one thing really quick. I looked up the most recent sold auctions for Rule of Rose, and Case and Manual only went for a uh, hundred dollars. Case and Manual only, yes. no, no game, game for a hundred bucks. Holy shit! Okay, fascinating. Is it a good? I mean, like I know you guys are interested in it, but is it like a critically acclaimed game, or was it one of those like it's? it's- it's more like quirky good. It's hidden gem good, is what I hear. It's like it's not gonna be Silent Hill quality, but it's going to be like notable enough that if you're into the genre, you're gonna be like, I, I want to experience that. But no, you can't. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, mm, it, it's a see. horror game that came toward the end of the PlayStation 2's lifespan, so it didn't get a lot of attention. Uh, there weren't very many copies printed, so it kind of became, as David said, a, a hidden gem. It's a uh, that's the sweet spot for low print runs is right at the end of a system's lifespan. Yeah. Rick, how about you? What are some of your prized gems? So David mentioned that I've been trying to collect uh, Sierra Online boxes. I, I I grew up with these games. My uh, my mom and dad played them extensively and my brother. So 
I used to like look through these boxes when I was a kid and look at the screenshots on the back and, and read the blurbs and everything. Mm. So like I, I have a very sentimental attachment with these. And unfortunately we lost most of the ones that I had growing up. So I, uh, I, I kind of went on a little bit of a tear as far as trying to pick up as many of those boxes that I could remember that, uh, that I could find. Um, and in the process, and I assume you have the games for these already. Yes, I I, I have the games both on uh, both on collection discs and digitally. Um, so these are one hundred percent just showpieces. They're just things to put on my shelf. Sure. Um, in the process of trying to collect them, I managed to snag a full set of Quest for Glory games, which, as David mentioned, is how I met him, and that's a series that is just extraordinarily vital to me as far as the relationships that I've mm. built as a result of being a fan. So um, I have the whole set now, and I'm very proud of that in particular. Um, I've also got a complete physical set of Dragon Quest games in one form or another. Ooh. So That's cool. Okay. Now, your average... Or let's say your most valuable thing. Let's let's not say average. What, what what's the most valuable thing in your possession? You think, in terms of collecting? I would probably agree with David. It's probably Silent Hill too. Um, I looked up a few mm. things. I looked up F Zero GX recently, and that was going for a few hundred dollars. Um, I don't know if that's Damn. still the case now, but I, I have a few different GameCube games that just for whatever reason are going for super high prices these days. Um, I, I was I was lucky enough to have scooped up most of the PlayStation 2 games that I ever cared to play back at the end of the PlayStation 2's lifespan. You know, I would troll all the local GameStops and try to pick up everything that I was interested in. So um, I, I yeah. managed to, to have a pretty complete collection of everything that I care about. And some of those things like the Silent Hill games are pretty sought after today. So. Nintendo in particular, their games like never go down, and in fact go up. Like it's it's pretty nuts how expensive, especially like GameCube games. The GameCube games in particular, I'm thinking of, they're just like what I want to say like 70, 80 bucks on average. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not even that knowledgeable about how much this shit is now because I haven't gone game buying in a while, like for old games. But yeah, last I checked, even like so let's say a couple years ago, like they were still like crazy expensive, which. It's going to be a problem for me because I want to eventually do all the Mario parties on Pro ZD Plays Games. I'm going to have to figure that out somehow. Either just fucking buy them and just bite the bullet or whatever. I don't know. Because I'm also like David in that I do like having the cases. Even though all they do is really take up space. Yeah, I mean, at this at this point, they're all just showpieces, right? They're, they're things you can put up on a shelf and you just appreciate having them. But things look great on shelves and I love having things on shelves. Mm-hmm. I mean... Uh, to go into uh, my collecting, I mean, I love collecting. So it used to be video games. That's definitely died down quite a bit. Figure collecting, I still have quite a few good figures. Um, probably one of my favorite, like, prized ones is I have um, uh, from the manga 20th Century Boys, which, David, you've read, right? Yeah. Um, I have Friend, uh, the main villain from that, which is a gorgeous figure, like, um, comes with all these parts, its own special box, which usually I never keep boxes, but this one I had to keep because it was just so nice. Um, I've been starting to collect the Final Fantasy Nine figures. Have you seen those? They're just gorgeous, oh, yeah. gorgeous figures. Uh, Jesse just bought uh, a VV plush that is up on our shelf right now that she just adores. Nice. Uh, the only like uh, I've been lucky enough that with um, there's a site called Itaikuji that like we've we've been doing like you know oh like I'll they'll send me stuff and then I'll like unbox and it's kind of like a collaboration thing. So I've been able to get some good stuff from them and then whenever you know I I'm lucky enough to get to go to like Japan that's when you can start finding stuff 
um, that you don't usually find. Because I have found that online, on, in, on American websites and in American conventions, you're going to see pretty much the same stuff. It's going to be nothing crazy, like crazy finds, because everyone has access to the same things. But when you go over to Japan to, like, Nakano Broadway... Uh, which is a, um, it's it's a sort of like a big store with floors of like figures and all sorts of you know otaku related merch, all all of it secondhand. The secondhand market of like, like I found a Miles Edgeworth figure there that I'd never seen before. I found like, you know, you find really cool, especially the stuff that it's like oh, it'd be way too expensive to ship this. Like tinier stuff you can find, uh, hidden gems. So that's something I. Um, collect. I was going to mention that you also uh, you mentioned collecting Pokemon cards, and I feel like you got into that at the optimal time before yes. it completely exploded. Yes, I was about to go into that. Like, I have a complete set of basic to Neo Revelations, which is quite a lot of cards, and I, I was fortunate enough to be buying them when they were relatively, like, reasonable price. Like, not, not so bad. Now, it's insane. Like I'm, I went to, I was with a couple of friends. We stopped by like a like a card slash game shop, and it's like something I paid maybe, I I would maybe even I don't know, like five dollars for a foil. We're talking like eighty dollars a foil now. Like we're talking like hundred, you can go up to two hundred. Like it has exploded in popularity. Um, I think because of YouTubers like. The Paul brothers, thanks guys. Uh, but I mean, I mean, you can't you can't just blame them. Like it, it is something that has surged in popularity. Um, so I imagine the cards I have like are probably they probably could go for a pretty decent price. Like they're not not all of them are in perfect condition. I didn't care about that. I just cared about having them. Um, but yeah, I do. I did go out of my way to get the a full set of. Everything I grew up with and decided to cut off there. Have all the Animal Crossing cards as well. Um, I mean, something as silly as, like, when David visited, we found these um, Mario coins in uh, Wonder Balls. And because our friend Elvis, who's been on the podcast, got some for him. And then we were like, oh, my God, like, these Wonder Balls, or they were Wonder Balls, right? Yeah, and like yeah, we, the we one... went trawling every single like Kmart and like convenience store we could, just to, trying to find more of them after we found those coins. Because we were like, these coins are really good quality. They're really cool, and there's like sixteen of them, and we just went, yeah, searching through shops to buy as many as we could, opening them up, and then I know like I think that Christmas it was like we were just giving each other like packs and packs of these Wonder Balls, and I think now we all have full sets, right? Yeah, I do anyway. I yeah, think, I do. I'm, I'm pretty I, sure. And that's all that matters. Is that you? Have, I have all. I also have full set. Um, yeah. So that I've. And I mean, not to mention, you know, the big one now is board game collecting. For me, board games is a big, big uh, passion, and you know that. To, you know, but I, I would hesitate to call it so far as collecting because I do call a lot. Like, even like if I had infinite room, and I know people like I have friends who have like seriously like hundreds upon hundreds of games i've got about maybe at most 200 total in my home and that's not including unopened stuff but i still keep it to that number whereas i know people who have like like storage like you know they get like they rent a fucking warehouse for like their shit it's like that's intense that's that's probably i probably limit my collecting to what i can fit within my home yeah but 
building on that, um, I was going to like mention like, okay, what about, you know, collectibles that you've since parted with that maybe you regret? Cause I've got a few items that I'm like, Oh yeah. What like, do you got? Um, so like I lent, uh, a friend a copy of ghost trick for nintendo ds ah, um, and yeah. it's gone now it's, I'm, I'm never seeing that again I, I lent a friend a copy of silent hill shattered memories and uh yeah that's never coming back i believe mm. it was the same friend i believe so yeah <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. i know what you're talking about but anyway yeah that game how much is that game now uh, I feel like that ghost trick now goes for a couple hundred dollars at this point and it's like that's that's a, that was a big hidden gem too. And it's like you can get it on iOS, but it's not the same thing. Also, like anytime I've had to move cross country, I've had to prune my collection just because mm. stowing all that stuff uh, is expensive. And I think that one that I like had the biggest profit off of when I sold was a copy of Valkyria Profile on PS One. Oh, uh, okay. I paid thirty dollars for that um, from the like SquareSoft's online store, and then I sold it for eighty dollars, and now it's like more in like the two hundred dollar range. Man, you know, one of these days, maybe I'll just get you a copy. I just feel bad that you don't have that anymore. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just sad. I, I was just gonna say, uh, let me ask you two a question about collecting. So yeah. ignoring the actual value of your collections, assuming that they, they were actually very valuable, um, regardless sure. of they are or not, would you ever, are you the types of people who would ever consider selling off your collection to reinvest into a new collection? I think that I'm entirely too sentimental um, because like anytime I've had to prune my collection, the deciding factor was, am I going to play this again? And mm. that criteria led me to get rid of a lot of jrpgs stuff that you know like valkyrie profiles like i you know this is valuable and i like the game but once you've sunk like 40 80 100 hours into a game the odds of replaying that go down dramatically and it's like well when i'm just thinking about what i'm actually going to go back to it was primarily nintendo games and that's probably part of why nintendo games retain their value because people like going back to those yeah I don't really sell off my stuff. Like, I usually just give away a lot of stuff to people. But, uh, yeah, I've definitely, like, called stuff. Like, I'll give away games. I'll give away... I've given away some manga I don't read anymore. But, and, like, figures and stuff. Yeah, when we moved here, I definitely just kind of gave a bunch... Gave a bunch of figures to my family, and they just sold a bunch or whatever. So... Yeah, I'm just I imagining th- like your mom getting like a sexy like Nami from One Piece or something. It's <laughs> like you know, no, that's pretty much what fine. they pretty much just got a <laughs> bunch of that shit, and then I believe they sold them at a garage sale for way below their value. And uh, whatever, they're I mean, I'm sure some very happy nerds in that neighborhood got thought had a field day, and you know, I remember what it was like as a as a young nerd to find cool stuff at a garage sale for dirt cheap. So, you know, whatever. Past past the fucking happiness. It's hard to get that uh, high anymore just because, like, I feel like that people are too aware of stuff's value. Because you can just go on eBay and get a quote for something's uh, rough value. And that means that uh, a garage seller is maybe going to realize that they're not, they don't need to just sell this game for five bucks or whatever. Right, right. That was something I, yeah, I definitely missed that though, like going to garage sales because I grew up in the Midwest and that was a lot, that was a huge thing. And, you know, my mom would go to a lot of garage sales because she was very thrifty. Um, and so I would always tag along and like, 
they would be like, it'd be funny, like, oh, this house, oh, this is a boring house, I'm gonna wait in the car. They got clothes and fucking nothing. But sometimes <laughs> you could find, like, ooh, like, cool kids board, like, when I was a kid, I mean, like, cool board games or, like, uh, uh, ooh, video games, you know, that was, that was the shit. Pokemon cards, although Pokemon cards, everyone was savvy about the value of Pokemon cards. Those you could never find for, um, for cheap when I was growing up, but cool, like, weird board games, like Splat, or like, you know, incomplete board games, uh, I loved that shit. And I've talked about this before, but it's kind of, I'm like, how could I, how did I not, like, realize, like, later on that board games would be such a big part of me, because as a kid, I loved them so much, I just, there was just, it was just a gap of, I didn't know they existed, um, and now, you know, they're so prevalent, I think, and, um, in, like, you know, even just Catan, right, is so prevalent that, Garage sales are probably pretty fucking sick now. If you live in an area where um, there are any fucking adult nerds, if they if they're selling shit. Yeah, I mean these days you've got like designer board games that are sold off the shelf at Target, whereas yeah, know, ten right. years ago they were a total niche that nobody really knew about mainstream. You know, I heard mm. the little things here and there, and I saw a couple of cool games here and there, like oh that'd be kind of fun, but I never realized just how big board gaming was how expansive it was until i got into them a few years ago yeah and it's the best it's 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 the best um i was gonna ask you guys a question so going back to adventure games i you know i'm not someone who really plays them and i'll be honest not like super interested right like i didn't grow up with them like you guys did mm-hmm. but if you had to make a list let's say each of you three games or something that you think I should play as like I think you, Sung One would like these three. What would those titles be? I think that like like when we're approaching this, do we want to go like what what are the most accessible adventure no. games out you're, there? You're doing it to me for me like my tastes, hmm. my tastes. That's tricky because I don't feel like that you know you've got a pretty high barrier to getting into these games because they're like. You're a smart guy, but I think that you also like a lot more engagement than just like the abstract puzzle element. And what adventure games are, are puzzles and plots. And there's a lot of downtime in these games. And I feel like that's really probably what drags you out of like the experience is that they can be very dry. If you're not really digging the dialogue or anything, then it's Mm. there's not a whole lot there for you. Um, Okay, so David gave you a non-answer, but I have an actual answer for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I would love to hear an actual answer. Grim Fandango. I think you would love Grim Fandango. Oh, yeah. I should play that. Okay. Cool. I've been recommending that one for the duration of my uh, friendship with someone. Yeah. Um, and that has a Steam version or something, right? It, 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 updated it, it had, they, they had an anniversary edition. That was a game that's like, okay, uh, it uh, peaked in terms of like rarity and scarcity, and then they released it digitally, and now people can play it, and that's good. Cool. Yeah. And, and, okay. And, uh, Great the, answer. Grim Fandango. The, the original had really shitty tank controls as well. Um, because it was an early 3D game, but the remaster actually makes it point and click. It's far more accessible, and it looks really good. the The dialogue is wonderful. There's tons of character, tons of charm. Um, I, I think that that game has enough personality to pull you through, even if you're not really into puzzles. Cool. Okay. David, you have a real answer now, or <laughs> like my gut, my gut answer is going to be like, okay, well, Full Throttle is like a very it's a be- it's a beautiful game, and it's also like the puzzles are relatively minimal, and it's very cinematic. So it's it's a very easy answer, but that's still in the territory of like this is 
uh, one you recommend easily for anybody. And I'm trying to think about what's oh, no, that's specific fine. to like, you. I get it. I'm a basic bitch within this genre. That's fine. <laughs> I'm not saying like it has to be like super obscure. Like that's okay. So full throttle, Grim Fandango. Two more. Each of you. Let's see. Anything that comes to mind. Like my my basis for adventure games is uh, I played uh, Freddy Fish Spy Fox, which I loved those <laughs> games. I love them to death. Um, but you know, very very like kid kid friendly ones. I'm trying to think what did like what adventure games have I played? Uh, our friend Dave had you play the Neverhood, right? That was fun. I did like that. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, the Neverhood's a very charming game as well. It's got some obtuse puzzles, but um. It's got a great style. Shitty creator, but great style. <laughs> right. For me, what carried me through any of the frustrating puzzles was I had, like, a helpful, you know, companion to uh, bounce things off of. But I do love the style, the music, the humor. Yeah, that was fantastic. I, I really liked that one. Um, another one that's probably I'm inclined to suggest is Curse of Monkey Islands. Which okay. That's another one where it's like it's very charming, it's very funny, and uh, it's the the visuals are fantastic, and you don't really need to play the preceding games to appreciate it. And there's an easy mode in it, so if you don't really like the puzzles, then you can get a reduced difficulty. Okay, I guess I mean not that I think about it, Ace Attorney are adventure games, right? In a sense, yeah, they're yeah. more in the uh, Japanese tradition of the genre, um, kind of like tailing off of like say like. Uh, Famicom Detective Club and what is it called? Uh, Porto something, um, the Porto Mystery uh, on the NES. Like those games usually are uh, very heavily dialogue driven. They're what kind of spawned a lot of visual novels. They're a very different feel, but they're still completely valid and uh, have their fans. And Did either I of think... you play the re the new release or the originals of the Famicom Detective Club games? I want to play them pretty badly. It's just it's just a backlog situation. Yeah, it looks same. Yeah, when they, when when they announced those, I was like, ha, huh, that's kind of really cool. I do want to try those out. But okay, okay. Uh, I have any other titles for me? Yes, I have one more recommendation for you. Uh, because I feel that Sierra is woefully underrepresented so far in our list of games that would interest you. Um, I'm going to call a shot in the dark here and say that you would enjoy the Gabriel Knight games. Okay. What's I would that? hesitate there. Well, Gabriel Knight is like a supernatural thriller franchise. It's like um, you are this writer type and you're in Louisiana and you are uncovering a lot of mysteries about your heritage and also running into supernatural forces. It's... There's a lot of genre pieces nowadays that kind of fill that uh, niche, um, but mm. uh, it's a lot more adult and mature than a lot of contemporary adventure games, and it had excellent atmosphere. Mm. My biggest like uh, caveat with like the Gabriel Knight series is I'm just salty that like they left the third game ended on a big cliffhanger, and we're never getting a, a fourth game. Yeah, but but mm. what I think would appeal to you, Sung Won, would be um, the amount of effort and research that went into uh, kind of exploring the the supernatural histories of these games. Uh, the first game is based around voodoo. The second one is based around uh, werewolves in Germany. And the third one is based around vampires. But they go really deep into like into a lot of the stuff about the myths. And there's a lot of very well-researched uh, information and detail in them and some excellent writing as well. So uh, once again, if I think mm. of something that could carry you through maybe a drier presentation, it would be something with a lot of interest and detail and intrigue. Okay, cool. 
it's not like I'm like, oh man, I'd never want to play these games or anything. But like, you know, I just it's just something I didn't grow up with, so I never like it there was it wasn't part of my DNA. I'm trying, there was this there was a game that I did a voice for. I don't know if either of you played it, but apparently it was quite good. Do either of you play Unavowed? Unavowed. I don't think I've played that one. That is on my personal list to play. Gotcha. I got to do a character in that, and uh, I heard it, it was apparently very, very well received. Like people, were, so I was wondering if you guys had experienced that one. But okay, okay. Um, now this is kind of an interesting sort of topic of like, okay, so for example, adventure games is something I'm not super knowledgeable about that you two are recommending. Maybe we can kind of do it for each of us, like for Rick. For what's something that like David and I are invested in that rick is not and we could be like what would be what, what would rick like in this i genre? mean historically i feel like what this is is just like trying to get rick to appreciate anime which is uh an uphill battle um i, I don't think it's an uphill battle i think it's i think uh it depends on what you recommend rick, uh, counterpoint <laughs> counterpoint what's your rick <laughs> um what, what's your what's your counterpoint uh well first off rick thanks for answering the question um <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, that's exactly what I was going to say was anime. It's it's an uphill battle because I'm just not a fan of animation in general. It's not that I don't like it. It's not that I have a problem with it. I've just never really latched onto it. So finding an mm. anime for me is a matter of finding something that can kind of transcend the medium and get my interest um, despite the the style. I think that like what historically we've had the best luck with was like stuff that's usually like, oh, this is just better like the 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 top 1% of anime like Cowboy Bebop I think you you appreciated I think Did you watch Cowboy Bebop? I've watched some of Cowboy Bebop. What did you think? I uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed what I saw. Uh, back when I was in high school all of my friends were into the the edgier adult anime like Vampire Hunter D and Helsing. So Oh yeah. You know, I've got uh, I've got familiarity with those. Um and Lupin the 3rd I think was another favorite of my friends. Um but nothing that I ever really got into. I think I this so, you know I think it's a matter of just picking the right ones, right? Because you know, um, especially if, you, if it's just animation in general. But we'll stick with the anime because I think anime is just more specific. Cowboy Bebop is an easy answer, and I do think you should go through it at some point if you're interested. But that's like the easy answer. That's the one that everyone picks for like non-anime fans. Um, one that I think you would really like is monster have you heard about this one have i told you about this one already you have not i've heard of it but i know nothing of it okay uh so monster is best described as like um pure just like uh psychological drama where it takes place in germany where the i'll just give you the tldr of the premise where there's a japanese doctor who is forced to make a decision between helping it's like the mayor or something some important official like comes in for surgery uh but this kid this little boy came in for surgery i think first and then like the hospital's like, you gotta do the official because he's more important but he's like i gotta save this kid so he saves the kid the other guy dies and he get he becomes disgraced but then the kid grows up to become a serial killer who <laughs> is part of like this uh neo-nazi like conspiracy like and there's and he finds out that like this kid's background and there's just this giant like conspiracy behind this kid and so he's like okay because i saved this kid and he's causing so much pain i'm going to kill him 
and he's and it's him trying to track him down. That's a really good premise. It is an excellent story. If if you know, some people have the problem with some anime of like, oh, it's like too too you know Cookie stereo- is too weird. The stereotype of anime, I think, is it's too childish, it's too oh silly, it's too zany, it's not grounded enough. But Monster is the complete opposite. It is like pure like you would you could it would like if this was just like a live action HBO drama, like it wouldn't be that hard. I mean, there there was an attempt. I think Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro wanted to adapt it, but I don't think it's going to go anywhere. But excellent, excellent show. Uh, it's and a, I think, this is a very good recommendation for Rick. I think just because like I think that he would appreciate Monster more than I did because like mm. Monster is has big prestige television energy and um, it is super grounded and. Uh, real as opposed to you know there's no there's not a single giant robot um there's, not, there's no psychic powers i know for you i know for you and your your husband you know sometimes it's like oh this one's um, it's just uh not not exciting enough and i'm like i think that it's more so like both me and max have uh a harder time being sold on slice of life um mm. which you, someone you've got you enjoy those quite thoroughly um, yes yes and for me it's like okay i need it to be a little bit more intense um usually but well, the monster's like, pretty I, like, intense um i did enjoy monster um usually my hang up was just that um i wanted it to be a bit more focused but i think that um it, in terms of just like urasawa does amazing work just in terms yeah. of his stuff. And just that I mean, I, I how used... do you feel about comics, Rick? Do you like comics or manga or anything like that? No, I've never really gotten into those either. Gotcha. Um, I was going to say, because 20th Century Boys, which I mentioned earlier, uh, there's that, there's Pluto, there's he's an amazing um, manga mangaka, and um, again, just really fantastic storytelling. But Monster, I'm like, hmm, maybe I should like... A range of viewing because Dave, I know, would love to rewatch it. You know, Rick, I'm sure, I'm sure, especially with, a, I think, with a group, it would also be really fun to kind of go through it because it's a really great suspense show. Really, in terms of like just rich character writing, and so that's one that comes to mind for me for you. I think you would definitely get a kick out of it, and I think at some point in our friendship, I will make you watch it at some point. Um, <laughs> but I think be- because I think you will enjoy it. I think you will actually. Yeah quite get a big kick out of it i'm totally down Um, for a group viewing that sounds like a lot of fun i've i've not like i've not tried to stay away from anime i would love to to get into it and appreciate it um i just i i guess i've just never found the right group you know sometimes you just have to you have to have the right group of friends who are into something to get you into it as well um yeah so and i think for me it's like how i feel about adventure games right i'm not a i don't hate like i'm not like adventure games i'm just like yeah you know adventure games okay Mm -hmm. yeah they seem cool but i'm not like you know not going on my uh, way Mm-hmm. One of the first times I visited Rick, I talked him into uh, getting a copy of Excel Saga, and I think oh that, no, <laughs> that was that, that was the wrong uh, type of anime to try and introduce him with. No, and I mean I know you love Excel Saga, but that show has aged so poorly. Like <laughs> it's also time. it's also just extremely so off the wall that like you, it's just not it's not very real at all. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple others for you. I think Monster's an easy answer. Like, absolutely, I think you would uh, enjoy that. I, I may be showing my ass here because this may be a manga and not an anime, but uh, what about Berserk? I've heard that that has very big Dark Souls Ooh, energy. 
Interesting. Um, <laughs> like, suddenly what I've kind of, kind of heard from you of Berserk is that there's a period where you got to get past the grimdark. you got to push through the grimdark to actually get to the meaty stuff. Yeah, Berserk is one of those things where I, I deeply respect Berserk. Oh, well, if we're talking, oh, if we're talking about like, okay, let me talk, let me do my Berserk spiel first. I think it's very good. I think it's very important. I do think it's a little too grimdark for my tastes. Uh, there is a lot of um, uh, sexual assault in it, and uh. it's not done. It's not done in a way that's like, oh, <laughs> like, like uh, what what I think makes Berserk work, despite you know the heavy grim dark. You know, Game of Thrones has a similar thing, right? A lot of like you know sexual, you know, violence and whatever. But Berserk has at its core a deep empathy. Uh, for its, for like you know, uh, like for example, the main character. Um, this is like a sl- like a kind of a spoiler, I guess, but it's a slight spoiler. Um, it, it's a little early on, but he is a victim of sexual assault as a youth, and it's something that is like very like a big part of you know, you know his motive, like his character, and you know, and it's not done in a way necessarily that's like just for shock value. Like I think what you know really separates berserk i think from other just sort of shock grim dark stuff is that it it cares about its characters so i would not recommend berserk i think berserk is a little too uh in, i think it's good very good and the art is incredible but it's kind of like maybe too much maybe i what i would actually recommend instead is Vinland Saga, which does have an anime, actually. The anime is good. The manga is the best version, but if you're not a big reader, like I know our friend Wilco doesn't really read manga, but he'll watch anime. Vinland Saga is a very well-done, mature, uh, historical anime about Vikings. Um, And it's, like, very good characters. Like, uh, I would almost say, like, Berserk, because of Berserk, we can get stuff like Vinland Saga, which... Is still very gritty and very you know realistic, but is also deeply empathetic. Um, I see. And like at its core, like you know, it's easy to look at stuff like Berserk or Vinland Saga and be like, oh, it's so violent and it's so what like edgy, but it's not really about that. What it is at at its core is about like um, I don't want to go into too much detail because there's it's pretty plot relevant, but it is about the main characters who you know being empathetic and wanting to like you know do good and um and like change themselves uh so that's actually another one that i think would be a good i think it would be a very good fit for you is vinland saga okay Um, that's something that's very important to me is that you know if you're going to depict something horrible then you need to make sure that the the soul of the piece is in the right place you know i don't want to i don't want to see sexual assault and just have it be brushed aside as a fact of life and never addressed um, you know, I don't want right. to see violence against marginalized groups for no reason. You know, if you're going to if you're going to show me those things, give me more than shock value. Give me an examination. Right, right. And like, I mean, I'm like, man, maybe like Rick anime lessons. Like that'd be kind of like, like a fun. <laughs> like they just just start showing Rick. Like because I think I think David, it's fair to say, I think I would be a very good 
anime guide, right? To getting into like, what would Rick like? Let's. let's I think get... that usually someone you're very good at like trying to do some detective work in terms of like what somebody's actually going to be into. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas with me, I'm more probably inclined to be like, oh, Rick should watch Evangelion. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I, uh, I, Not right away. I, anyway, I, I did try that. Um, yeah, didn't how'd work. that go? <laughs> it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, no, 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 no. Uh, and I, I respect Evangelion, but that's not the right go about it. Um, yeah, I'd say those are two titles that jump out to me. And also, uh, kind of on the more extreme, but... Because, like, the art style can be hard for people. But Kaiji. I think Kaiji would be something that you might I, I can agree with that i think that that kaiji is very relatable and it's very high stakes but it is grounded it's it's like yeah. uh a real person having to deal with like uh gambling situations um yeah. there's a death game aspect of it too but um i think that it's uh it's a series that's extremely hard to put down it's yeah it's very very gripping um the art style is very unique. Like, if you Google Kaiji, K-A-I-J-I, you'll see, you're like, oh, what? Why does it look like that? It's because the manga looks like that. Because he just draws things that way. But it's like, uh, I love the art style anyway, but what it, but at its core, it's a gripping, gambling-based psychological drama with really high tension. Like, uh, it's it's pretty hard to put down once it starts going. Like, it's... Uh, it's really excellent. So Very I would say those are three titles I think that um, would be a good Rick starter pack. Um, now, David, Rick, what's something that you and I are into that David's either ambivalent or not as into? Board games. There's one thing I can think. I was gonna say board games, right? Okay, so three board. I mean, but David, so. You like board games, though. I do like board games. My issue is more so that, like, I don't have local people who like to play board games with me. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if I had a group, I probably would have invested much more, maybe comparable to you guys. But uh, my opportunities to play board games is when I'm visiting you people. But, so let me ask you this. Like, in terms of enjoyment level of when you're playing them. And don't please don't answer this in the typical wishy-washy shape. But like, no, it's, it's tolerable. No, I'm actually asking, like, <laughs> like how much do you enjoy playing board games? Like, if let's say you had access to, like, what me and Rick have, just like a regular gaming group. Would you play them as often? Or do you think you'd be like, mm, not that much, but still really like them? On a scale of 1 to 10. 10 is like me and Rick. One is uh, like I probably think I'd yuck. be like in the eight territory. Like I'm not uh, as crazy into it as you all, or even like say uh, compared to other Prosody Powell Wilco. But I do really enjoy them, and I think that probably the biggest hang up is that I'm not like half as competitive as some of you guys. Um, <laughs> I I like stuff that's very narratively, very thematically focused, and usually that has a lot of uh, cooperative elements. Gotcha. You know, I, I just want to share a quick anecdote to that point, because I'm also I, I've always considered myself to be not a very competitive player. Um, most of the board games that I've played in person with my friends tend to be on the softer side or the lighter side or are just cooperative games. Um, but I have played so many cutthroat competitive games with you lot over quarantine that when I did get together with friends recently to play board games, they were kind of surprised that I was so uh, fucking mean. <laughs> in <the> game. <laughs> you, you've been turned into a shark. Yes. Yes. 
That's what I want. I want more sharks. Um, now, okay, Rick, I think this will be easy. You and I, let's alternate. What would be games that David would enjoy that he hasn't played already? I think, first off, pretty easy answer, uh, Gloomhaven, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's basically as close, pretty similar to D&D, uh, pretty rich universe. I don't think the storytelling is amazing, but it's pretty immersive. It's pretty immersive. You will, you know, I, and especially in a group cooperative setting, I think you would really dig into, like, building your character, seeing where it goes, like, Oh, like what happens in this adventure, that sort of thing. So that's my first answer. How about you, Rick? Um, this might be a little stereotypical of me because uh, in my last episode, I placed it as my number one game. Uh, but this would be uh, Aeon's End. I think that he would love Aeon's Ooh, End. Oh, End's great. Because, David, you've enjoyed Marvel Legendary, right? I enjoyed that, yeah. Like, my probably biggest hang up with Marvel Legendary is just that I just don't care about the Marvel Universe. But yeah. Yeah, the gameplay mechanics are excellent. Yeah, and I feel the same way. I don't really care about comics, but I love the gameplay. Mm-hmm. So if you love the gameplay of deck building, Aeon's End is like, yeah, it's it's fantastic. What what I think would resonate with David about Aeon's End is that it has, uh, it also has that Dark Souls energy of struggling mm. to defeat a giant boss and having to basically use all of your resources very wisely in order to overcome the challenge. And I think that he yes. would uh, he would appreciate both the puzzle aspect of it and the thematic aspect. Have you dug into the? Um... Not just legacy, but also like the new like expedition stuff they're doing in that. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. I have. And so you played I, I everything. Like yes, I I own a yeah, complete okay. set of Aeon's End, and I'm eagerly anticipating. By the time that this podcast comes out, it'll probably be out. But uh, the the next wave of Aeon's End content should be here soon. So, wait, shit, what's the new wave? Uh, legacy of Gravehold. Legacy of Gravehold. Did I did I back this? Let me see. Now I'm like shit. Did I not back the latest? <laughs> Oh, no, I backed it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was pretty sure you did because I think that I, I told you about it on, on Twitter and you had said that you'd already gotten it. But yeah, I, I will gotcha. always, always, always kickstart Aeon Zen content. I d- Rick, whenever it. a new one comes out, please just message me. Just say, <laughs> like, I do not want to miss out on a one. And I, I like, had a mate, like, because I just, not just, but recently finished Outcasts, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, is there a new one that I didn't back? I had a <laughs> mini heart attack. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, the expedition stuff, especially like the story's fun. There's a very rich universe. Zaxos is an asshole. Uh, it's, it's great. It's great. That um, motherfucker just does not go that away. That motherfucker. Yeah. Second game I'll recommend to you, David, is, um, This War of Mine. Have you, have you, have Rick, have you played that one? I have not. Uh, David, have you played the video game, This War of Mine? Um, uh, it rings a bell. I don't think I've played it. Uh, this War of Mine is a very, very good um, uh, adaptation of, of a video game called This War of Mine. And it's basically, you are citizens in a war-ridden city, uh, and it's it's based off... Let me... I don't want to get this wrong. Let me find the exact conflict uh, it is based off of... Because um, it, it's basically a very realistic look at what it's like to be... A civilian in a civil war sort of like conflict. Uh, it is. Let's see. It was inspired by uh, the siege of Sarajevo uh, in the early '90s, um, and like the poor living conditions, the wartime atrocities that Bosnian civilians endured. And so it's this game where like 
uh, it's not even necessarily like supposed to be like fair. Like we we did, I think, win the game, quote unquote. But it's really about just like experiencing it. Of like you just have to survive. It's like okay, like you have to go out. You're inside this shelter, and it's like we have to go out. Uh, and it's like it's like choose your own adventure, kind of like a deck. Like random events will happen, and it's like, oh, you encounter a guy over there, and it's like, do you ask them for help? You have no idea if they're gonna like attack you or whatever. And it's not played for like laughs or like, haha, this is so crazy. It's like, it's real. It's like this is shit that uh, people had to go through, and um, you know, when when people when your characters die, you really feel it. You're like, fuck, like I know, like I. And, but it can just happen, you know, just like, oh, a bad, a one-time bad incident. Um, so it sounds like it's it'd be, you know, that doesn't sound fun, but it was very engrossing. And I think I saw a board game geek thread about someone who actually, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm seeing it right now. Uh, someone reviewed it as a survivor of that siege. Oh, wow. And was like, and was like this was a very good representation of what it was like. Like, uh, you know, there were night raids. There were, you know, scav- we had to scavenge. Like, uh, this was a real thing. Like, the game and the board game, I think at its core, it's like, we want to show you what it was like. Uh, and I think on that on that goal, huge success. I think the mechanics are also quite good, but it's, uh, yeah, a very rich, very... I think important game. I would even say, like to to experience. So that's my second option. How about you, Rick? What, uh, what would you suggest? That's a great recommendation, and I think you've even got me interested in that. So I might have to seek that out. Um, it's very very good. So for my second pick, I'm trying to think of something that uh, that David specifically would enjoy without just running off my favorite uh, my favorite board games. Um, how mm. do you feel about Letters from Whitechapel for David? Interesting. Um, I think he would enjoy it. I don't know how much it'd be like a smash hit, though. But that's also colored by, like, I'm not that into Whitechapel. Because mm. for me, have you played Specter Ops? No, I haven't. Ooh, okay, man. This is devolving into board game talk, <laughs> but I don't care. Rick... You will, I think you will, I I think actually both of you, but Rick, you will love Specter Ops. Specter Ops is by Emerson Matsuchi, who's a great designer, and it was originally designed as a Metal Gear game. It was supposed to be a Metal Gear game, and in fact, unfortunately, that same designer did get the rights to Metal Gear, and it was in production, and then they canceled it. I know. Oh my god. Yeah, but yeah, anyway, but if you want to experience basically like it's... I don't, I'm not saying predecessor because I don't know how similar the game mechanics were, but Spectre Ops is essentially one player is a secret agent. It's a sci-fi game, and you're, you're, it's hidden movement just like um, Whitechapel. Like they have their own sheet, excuse me, and they're marking their positions on the board on grid. Meanwhile, the rest of you, there's like three or four other. They're all these like powerful alien monsters with different powers. So one guy's like, I'm the sniper. Like I have, I can see down the hallways. One guy is like, I'm the, I'm the brain guy. I can control the tank without being in the tank, and you are all hunting down one guy. It is like three on one, and you're all just like, 
like, where's that fucking asshole? You know, and it's like, and because, you know, if you ever catch them, they have to reveal themselves. And then it becomes like, kill them, kill them. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, and but the agent has really cool powers that they are exclusive to them. Each of you have like powers you have because the agent has to go around the board and complete different objectives before they can escape. It's like, okay, I got to go to the northwest sector, the northeast sector, and the southwest sector, trigger these things, and then I can run away from one of two exits. So it becomes this thing of three of you are going, okay, do you think he went that way? He's got to go that way. So you think he's actually going that way now? All right, you go down that way. I'll go this way. In case. I'll check this hallway. Uh, what was that noise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really, really good. So um, I would say either one would be interesting. Uh, and yeah, that, that, yeah, I think I think it's a good suggestion. Uh, and I, I also would, you know, I should play more Whitechapel, and to, you know, to get a better feel for it. But it did remind me of going like, mm, I kind of like Specter Ops a little better. But they're both good games. See, I, I was just thinking a hidden movement game in general because I know uh, how much David enjoys puzzles and working things out logically. And there's a lot of deduction and a lot of deliberation mm. that is involved if you're one of the people chasing the hidden mover. So I feel that would be yeah, something yeah. within David's wheelhouse. But Specter Ops definitely sounds like a better fit. My third choice is either... I think the, there's it's kind of like a two answers, but anything in this universe... The Arkham Horror card game, but probably the easier pick is Mansions of Madness. Have you played either, Rick? Oh yes, I uh, I haven't. Well, I haven't played the card game, but I own Mansions of Madness and a few waves of expansions. Very, very, very good game. I think David would love. I'm gonna say Mansions of Madness because it's more accessible. I agree. It's, yeah, uh, it's basically you're going around, and the first one is a mansion, but there's like different like you know maps. And it's app-driven, so it's as close to a video game as a board game can get of, like, you talk to NPCs. Like, you you literally, like, click on it in the app, and they have dialogue. And, you're, you know, you love the, El, you know, Eldritch Arkham shit, that Cthulhu-ass shit. So I feel like that's a perfect fit of, like, you love that theme, right? Am I wrong on this? You like that theme. I, I right. enjoy, like, the Call of Cthulhu mythos and everything. I think that it's... Um, become a little bit more passe just because the nerd culture is really dug into it True. but uh it's still a lot of fun yeah someone who doesn't usually give a shit about it i think this this game does a great job of it and it really is thematic you know there's narration and you know all this you know it, it, it's close it's kind of like an adventure game it's like you're going around like oh open that cabinet what's inside oh, okay what's this do oh we got to open this door somehow like which room is it? Yeah. You know, like, you know, it's it's fantastic. Mentions so of Madness is the best representation of Lovecraft and board gaming, I think. Because, like, I've, I've yeah. played all the other Arkham games. Uh, so Elder Sign, Arkham Horror, what was mm-hmm. it, second edition and third edition. Third edition's the new one. And Eldritch Horror. Uh, and I think that uh, I even took Eldritch Horror with me to visit David once, and, and we played it. And I, I recall you enjoying it. Uh, but as far as... Mm. It was fun. It was also one of those games where you basically have to spend an hour just setting it up. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, un- unfortunately, but uh, <laughs> Mansions of Madness captures the feel best because it's a very personalized horror. You're taking one person through various rooms and experiencing things firsthand, whereas the others are more broad, pulpy, exploration-based uh, in a city or the world. Uh, so I think Mansions is a great recommendation. What would your last recommendation be, Rick? My last one, I think, would be Escape the Dark Castle. Ooh, yeah, that's a great choice. I do like Dark Castles and Escape. 
Yeah. Uh, Escape the Dark Castle is uh, it's loaded with uh, old fashioned AD and D style art. Uh, you essentially assemble a deck, quote unquote, of rooms that you go through as you're attempting to escape this dungeon, and along the way, you're encountering all of the classic D and D staples. You know, a, a skeleton jumps out of a treasure chest kind of thing, or or wear rats or whatever it might be. Uh, it's a dice based game. So there's a lot of luck involved, but it's very atmospheric. Um, it, mm-hmm. It's got it's got a great feel of you again up against the odds, trying to get through this thing. And you know, there's a boss waiting for you at the end of it, and you're probably gonna die. But let's see how horribly you die. Yeah, it's one of those where you obviously you want to win, but you don't care if you like. At the end, it's like you're like, man, that was fun. Like mm-hmm. even if we died like a horrible, unavoidable lava death or something, it's like. That was really fun. Um, have you tried Dark Sector? I have not. I kind of read about it, and it seemed like it was just a re-implementation. I'm not sure if there's enough there to get me to play it. Mm. I enjoyed it. I think I like the original better because of its purity. Mm-hmm. There are some interesting mechanics that it adds. So if I'm like, okay, if you like wanted more, I do think Dark Sector is worth checking out. But I do think I like the original game better. But... Um, and the theme is, I think, I like. I don't care about sci-fi that much, so I like the sort of dungeon theme sure. of the original. Um, but yeah, those are. I think those are some good ones to recommend, and for listeners as well. And um, you know, looking forward to the next time the three of us get to be at an actual table at some point. You know, we should. Uh, we should. We should go hard, and we should play some games. It's gonna be. So I think good. that I want to bring things full circle a little bit by like you know you guys mentioned Kickstarter uh, a while back and I'm like thinking about you know how the physicality of board games and how they go out of print pretty easily and the FOMO of like say you want to play this game but you can't get a hold of it and the price inflating I think that maybe it's a little better right now because I think I expect that given that board games are big right now there's been a lot of reprintings but is there anything that's like you want to play this, but it's just getting a hold of it is a big problem. Ah, that is a good question. Um, yes, let mm-hmm. me think. One that was one of those, but I, I did manage to borrow it. I haven't played it yet. Is um, Seventh Continent? Do you know that one, Rick? I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. That's like a massive. Like you're exploring an island or something, mm-hmm. and like. It's probably like a really enriching experience. It's like you can save your game and it's like, you know, thousand, you know, not thousand hours, but, you know, hundreds of hours if you can like go through the whole thing. Um, yeah, that's that was one, but I did get it. Uh, not to keep, but to borrow. Um, one for me would be Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yes. I do want to play that. I uh, have a co- I have a couple friends who have it, so that one is within access of me. But yeah, that's you basically can't buy that one. They are what with the board game industry though, they're constantly either reprinting or re-implementing. So that one's becoming unfathomable. Uchi, you knew about this, Rick, right? Were, were yeah. we just talking about mm-hmm. this? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like on the Wilco so. podcast, um, you guys talked about this. Unfathomable? We did. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about uh, the Battlestar Galactica is what I'm referring. Oh to. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, so uh, Unfathomable is like a submarine or steamship or some kind of version of it with like Cthulhu, like that, I think, Fantasy okay. Flight. Because I thought you were saying that the idea of getting Battlestar Collectible was uh, unfathomable, like inconceivable. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, the game is called Unfathomable. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I think those are ones that come to mind for me. Like, 
I'm usually not a big Kickstarter guy. It has to be something that like I'm already a fan of. Like Aeon's End, I will back every time, like no matter what. Right. Uh, because it's just it's a game that's so easy. Well, <laughs> getting harder because I there's just so many cards to fit in. But you know, it's something you can just expansions you can just slide them in you can just randomize it slide new stuff in and just play it right Mm -hmm. or play through all the new shit and then it's easily like it won't just sit there like my thing with like i used to get expansions for some games but then it was like a thing of like do i want to pull this expansion out again Uh, i don't feel like it Uh, i don't feel like teaching the expansion on top of things i prefer expansion stuff where it doesn't change the base game it just gives you variety right just more cards more cards more things to kill. That's it. The core game is still the same. That's the best type of expansions uh, I, I, for me. I love the small box expansions of Eldritch Horror for that reason. Because all they really add is more cards that you can pull with new stories on them. And maybe a few new items. And maybe a couple new monsters. Nothing nothing crazy. But enough to add more variety and spice to the game. Those are the best kinds of yeah. expansions to me. Yeah, I 100% agree. I was just going to follow up on the whole like availability thing. Because yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. With at least like video games, you can always resort to piracy. But unless a game is actually exists in some sort of digital form, you can't. If a game becomes truly lost, you can't really salvage a board game in the same way unless it actually gets a proper reprinting. Yeah, that is unfortunate. And you know, some would even argue that like a video game version isn't exactly what you want anyway. Mm-hmm. I think Board Game Arena is the closest. No, that's not mm-hmm. true. Tabletop Simulator is also quite good. Um, like, I do count, like, if I play a game on Board Game Arena, I do count it as if I've played the game, because, uh, I think, like, in some app versions of games, sometimes it's, like, a little bit different, right? But with Board Game Arena and Tabletop Simulator, you are basically playing the the same thing, you're just not moving the pieces, but, uh... Or in the case of Tabletop Simulator, you are moving the pieces. Yeah, you are act literally moving the pieces. And then that kind of brings up an interesting thing of, like, recently there have been games where I'm like, you know, I have this on this is on Board Game Arena, and I kind of like it better on there because it does all the busy work. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Rick, we played Targi, right? Yes. And Targi is an excellent game, and I recently played it in person, and it's still great. But I'm like, mm, you know, the... The game does this, the board game arena automated version is kind of, I kind of don't need the physical anymore. Like, I, so I'm, I'm giving it away. Like, I, I think if I really want to play it, it's on that website and it will do all the setup and everything instantly. And it doesn't feel like I'm missing anything. Games that I will keep are like if the components are really nice or if there's something about the being in person that feels like a different thing. You know what I mean? Like, Targi, I don't think I'm missing out on anything by playing like the online version of it. Whereas something like even Perudo is like wildly different in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, very fun in both versions for different reasons, but there's a there's a reason to keep, let's say, Perudo for me. But Targi, I'm like, mm, I can just play this online. But I feel like Twilight Struggle will be one of those games because I have not played that in person yet, uh, aside from like a, a couple of rounds to learn at once. So, uh, but I've played a lot of it digitally. Mm. So I would love to see how that feels to actually be sitting at a table across from somebody as you're playing this uh, this Cold War game of chess. It's pretty cool. I do own it, and I did play it. I've only played it physically, and 
that one is fun to have like this map between you but uh i don't know if it, if it goes on borgy marina i'm like do i need to keep it <laughs> no it's tough especially because it's a two-player game two-player game that's super long it's like oof, it's yeah, with the board it's games, tough. you have to do a lot more aggressive pruning just because they take up so much physical space. Right. So, like yes. for you, is it like does a game have to be at least a nine, or just to be a full ten for you to keep it long term? That's not even the, even what it is. Well, I would say uh, yes, it probably have to be at least a nine or a ten uh, to keep it. But really, it goes down to your rule of like, am I going to play this again? Like, not just is this a good game, but. Am I going to play it again? Like, I, I've given away stuff that people, you know, hardcore board gamers listening to this would probably gasp. Like, like I gave away Star Wars Rebellion, and it's a great game. It's a great game. Like, if I had the time, I would love to play it over and over again, but I know I'm not going to be able to play it. It's like a massive five-hour, one-on-one Star Wars game. It's just, I know it will almost never hit the table. So I... I eventually and it's so big where i'm like ah, okay especially like two player games are so hard to you have to be like i want to play this all the time otherwise it's not it's not going to be worth it to me right um because i'm almost never going to have usually people when i have a game board game night it's like four people so two player games are going to be like if people are like if some people go home and there's like two of us left then you pull out the two and it's not like you're, okay well we've played for five hours but do you want to play this five-hour Star Wars game now? It's like, no. Like, it's... I just can't think of any time. It's like one of those sort of, like, you know, event games of, okay, today we're going to play Star Wars Rebellion. Like, and I'm trying to think of... Are there any two-player big games? Like, I still have Twilight Struggle because it's not that big of a box. That's mm-hmm. also in its favor. Of Like, it's a pretty skinny box. So... But... I'm like, will it stick around forever? I'm like, ooh, maybe not, unless, unless it just manages like I don't know. It's like almost like a Toy Story thing of like, just gotta stay inside the shelf so that I don't get sold, right? Yeah. Like if it if it if it's it's tiny box size, will might keep it around for longer than it needs to be because it's just so easy to fit. Whereas Rebellion is huge. It's like a if if we're talking about like Calax cubes. It's almost like more than half of a Calyx cube. Good I'm like, Lord. I can't. Yeah, I cannot fit this. Like, Mansions of Madness is about that size, mm-hmm. but I will definitely play that game over and over again. Like, it is staying around because it has, it is easy to teach and fun and, like, you know, yeah. So I, I feel like that, once that you play the once you play the digital version of Twilight Struggle, if you ever do, um, you'll you'll probably ditch the physical copy. There's so much that it does because Twilight Struggle also has a lot of really detailed systems as far as like comparing dice rolls whenever you're trying to stage a coup or, you know, take over territory. And the app just gives you percentages. It makes it so easy. It does all the admin for you. Um, So while I'd like to play Twilight Struggle in person just for the just for the in-person experience, I I think that I'm always going to prefer the digital version. It just keeps things moving. Yeah, I think that absolutely makes sense. Um, like one game I played recently that I will keep was um, Lost City of Arnak, which I oh, that's a great game, play, or Lost Ruins of Arnak, right? Um, which I played the Borging Marina version first, and I played it in person semi recently, and it's a fantastic game either way. Mm-hmm. 
but the pieces are so nice, right? The little tablets, like the, you know, everything and the board and everything. It looks great. The pieces are great. And it's something that I will definitely pull out for like, you know, a four person, you know, experience. Um, so that's an easy keep. Like, even though I think the Board Game Arena version is just as good. Um, one that I actually didn't keep, but also because I kind of cooled off on the game was, I think it's a great game, but Abyss. I don't know if you've played that one. I haven't. It's very good. Um, but I played it on Arena first, and I, re- I enjoyed it. And I played it in person, and I was like, you know, I don't think I need to keep it. Like, the pieces are nice, art's good, but if I want to play this again, it's on Arena. And the thing is, and again, whenever we talk about Arena, I feel like I'm, like, being sponsored, and I wish I was. But, like, <laughs> they keep adding so many games, especially even, like, good fucking games. I'm like, dude, this is kind of amazing. Like, I'm like, I... It's helping me kind of get rid of stuff because I'm like, well, I technically, quote unquote, have it on Board Game Arena, right? Like, I can play this Mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm not missing out. Um, So, yeah, it's that's always been like a that's been a big boon. Now, you know, Board Game Arena may not be around forever, right? I think Asmodee has been very good so far about keeping it pure, but who knows, right? Maybe one day Asmodee will scrap it for parts or make make it a bastard version of itself. Yeah. But. Where it is now, if it's keep it, if you you know as it is, it's still a great, great collection. Like now, I totally get. I never used to get people who were like, "Yeah, I I do PlayStation's what is it, the PlayStation Plus, where you don't own the games, but PlayStation you have access now. to all the games." Okay, I'm, I'm way too like skittish um, yeah. with those online services because like I either I want to be able to access something independently of. Uh, a pay for service like i i think yeah like rick you were saying i think that they do have it where you do get to keep them to your account um but i most often will prefer a physical copy but there's also like the issue with like playstation 4 where it's like um if your battery is out of sync then the system won't be able to even like detect copies of games you have anymore and that's like a whole nightmare waiting to happen oh interesting um, well, I was going to say, I kind of understand that now, but I think video games are different because you have save data. You don't have save data in board games, right? Board games, you just play them, um, except legacy games. So that's where I'm like, okay, I, I get this. Like I, cause it's also dirt cheap. So it's like, I just have this. Oh, it's free. I mean, unless you want to play the beta, but games, but it's like, I'll pay like five bucks or whatever is a year. And I have access to all these games and I technically can play these if I'm ever itching to play fucking, uh, like, Seven Wonders or Abyss or whatever, I can just pull it out on Board Game Arena. Yeah, Get right some people on, let's play it. Um, have you... That, uh, it's, it's a really handy... Yeah. What were you going to say? Have you ever managed to achieve your goal of playing everything on BGA at any point in time? I have not, unfortunately. I'm so... Clo- I'm the closest I've ever been, because I'm staring at it right now. Seven games left. Uh... And what's been helpful is lately, Wilco and I have been carving through the heavy games. Those are always the most daunting for both this goal and for my top 100 BGG goal, uh, the heavy games. Because, you know, but Wilco has been a trooper. Uh, we recently played, uh, what was it? Um, Signore? I, Signori. Signori, yeah. Signori, which was pretty good. I liked that. 
Um, so looking at this list right now, there are, and these aren't even that heavy. Like we went through the heavy games already, but these like mid high tier, there's like three of those left. And if I can get those out of the way, and one of them I've already played Agricola, so I can just, I know how to play it. Get those out of the way. The other four are a breeze and then I'm done. Um, and I'll have done it. And then I'll, I'm planning to, and this podcast won't be out for a while, so maybe I've done it by now, I don't know. But I do want to make a video at some, like, when I do it, of, like, I played all the games of Board Game Arena. And, like, these are the ones that I, in my sort of experience with that. Um, and then when new ones come out, I'll still probably keep playing them, just to keep it, you know, it's kind of like a fun thing. But I'll have considered the goal complete if I stare at the You Haven't Played Yet tab and it's empty. <laughs> that will be, like, a... It'll feel so good. It'll You'll feel so good. Them. I mean, it like Rick, go to your if you're on the go on the website if you can. Click on your you haven't played yet tab. I'm sure there's a ton. I, I'm right? I'm sure there yeah. are just so many. Because I've played also all the garbage games. There's so much garbage games that we and Wilco have suffered through. Because just because we're like fuck it, let's just play these and see what happens. And sometimes you get super surprised. You're like, oh, wow, that was actually really good, even though it looked hideous. And sometimes you're like, that was one of the worst things I've ever played. And it took, like, an hour. But it's kind of funny. It just becomes, like... you know. And I've said this before about board games. Like, I... The reason, also, the reason why I love board games is I never regret playing a board game. Because it's it just is... One, it's, hey, watch my no- collection number go up of what I've played. Ding! Uh, and also, it's done. Once you're done... It's not like a video game where I spent 30 hours. I spent, like, a couple hours or one hour. And it was dumb. Well, that's fine. It was funny. Or I can say, like, don't play that game. Um, you know, that's it's, it's, it's the ongoing, eternal, you know, uh, I guess how I always approach my hobbies is I love completing things and, you know, just becoming more and more of an expert of, like, so if people ask me, oh, like, what would you recommend? Or, or have you played that? I'd be like, yeah, I've played that one. You like that? You should play this, or you know that sort of thing. You've definitely always been the recommendation friend for sure. It's always, yeah, it's always kind of been your. I love thing. doing that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm more in the territory where, like, I have played a, like I think 2,000 video games, and my recommendations are just going to be like, here's this eclectic, bizarre thing that uh, is painful to play, but you should play it. Yeah, which hey, I I that's more interesting to me than like. You should play Skyrim. That's like okay, cool. Like I, I know, but um. I, I did a uh, I did a quick unscientific count here of games that I have not played, um, and I came to three hundred seven uh, versus games on that board I, game arena. On board game arena versus games that I have played, which is forty seven. So um, there are so many games on the service. So if that gives the listeners some frame of reference here, when you say you have seven games left to play. That's an incredible amount of board gaming. <laughs> and Rick, I will say this to you. Any games on that website, well, okay, I won't say any game, but most <laughs> games on that website that you haven't tried that you want to play, I will absolutely play again. I was going to uh, say, uh, it sounds like we need to schedule some time to tick off these last few games from your backlog. Uh, I agree. I, or you I can revisit like that uh, Willy Boots game. Willy Boots? I don't even remember which one. Which one was that Is one again? What was the one with the worms? Oh, I hated that. That was terrible. Yeah. That was, the what, was what was the name of that game? It was it called Willy Boots? Something like that. I want to remember. Maybe I shouldn't shit on. No, fuck. I'll shit on it. What was this? <laughs> I'm like, should I pull up a game just to shit on it? 
But I remember not liking this game, so yeah, it's fine. What the fuck? It was called Willy Boots? I just, my memory of the experience was you just saying, like, Willy Boot in, like, a Wilco uh, mocking voice um, <laughs> the whole time. Um, I don't. God, there's so many games on this damn site. I, I'm not seeing I any so... Willy Boots on, on here. Yeah, I don't think it's Willy Boots, uh, but I remember the game because it had really bad art. Uh, you remember that? It was like yeah. it was like imagine Carcassonne Rick, but with ugly art, and it's just way worse. That sounds like miserable. not. Uh, it was pretty bad, um, I, and I made my friends suffer through it for my for my goal. I'm not finding it, and I don't care at this point. Uh, whatever. I'm sure at some point. I'm sure I'll find it later, but um. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we could keep talking forever, but we're 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 like uh we're past the hour, so I think we can wrap it up here. Um, so thank you, boys, uh, for you know popping on the podcast again. It's a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And uh, just go ahead and re just uh plug it, replug. Where, where where can we find you? Uh, for me, uh, you can get, see me tweet about video games at mute four six two. I do a uh, romantic. Uh, fantasy webcomic with my husband called Jack Beloved, jackbeloved.com, also on Tapas and Webtoons. Uh, and also I've done some Mario fanfiction, uh, one of which uh, uh, someone did a whole reading of, where you can find those on AO3. All right, and Rick. And I am Rick. You can find me on Twitter at rip underscore carnage, or you can find me on YouTube. My channel's name is Such Minutiae, where I have been going through and playing a variety of uh, old and new adventure games. Uh, at the time of this recording, David and I have been working on playing through 2016's Abduction. So uh, that's been a very fun time collaborating with my pal. Uh, so yeah, if you're into adventure games, uh, check it out. All right. Thanks, guys. Let's play some board games soon. Hell yeah. Bye.